Welcome to Slim and Satisfied, a podcast about weight loss for women dealing with hormonal imbalances. I'm Daphna Chazen, registered dietitian and weight loss coach, and I invite you to join me weekly for conversations, practical strategies, and resources that will lead you on the right path to feeling satisfied with your body and your life. And now, let's get to today's episode. Hey there and welcome back. I'm so grateful and excited that you're here because today we have a great topic. It's not necessarily nutrition or food related directly, but it's very much related to health. And that is, do you need to go on a social media diet? This episode was inspired by some of the conversations that I've been having with women on social media, specifically on Instagram, and realizing that many women out there are confused and overwhelmed and a little bit frustrated with what's happening on social media and some of the things that they're seeing and implementing that may not necessarily be serving them in the best way possible. So I talk about mindset on the podcast a lot, and this is one of those episodes where we're going to be diving into some of the behaviors and things that you're doing that may be feeding your health habits, that may be feeding your eating habits, that may be setting you up, not so much for success, but for failure. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about why a social media diet may be beneficial for some of you and how to know if it's the right thing for you to try and do. So we're gonna jump right into it and I'm gonna start talking about why I think social media can be a little bit of a double-edged sword. So one of the things that I see commonly both in my practice and on social media and some of the groups and some of the forums that I'm part of, I see a lot of comments from women with, from women with PCOS, especially women who are newly diagnosed and go to their doctor and are getting very little or very poor quality advice. So if you had this experience, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you go to the doctor and you're diagnosed with PCOS or they're looking at your chart, they're looking at your weight and they're seeing weight going up and your period is missing and they may suspect that you have PCOS, they're gonna give you very generic, very kind of broad advice that may not necessarily be right for you, Part of the reason that this happens is that doctors have very, very little time to actually spend with you to get to know you. So they may give you advice of things that you're already doing or that may be completely irrelevant for you. And I know firsthand that that could be very, very discouraging because the last thing you want to hear when you're already struggling, when you're already gaining weight, when you're already concerned or concerned about your period or your hormone hormonal imbalances and what's going on is to hear advice that's not helpful and to hear things that you're already doing or have already tried or that are completely irrelevant for you, right? So if they'll, if someone's going to come and, and you're already a healthy eater and they're going to say, well, stop eating junk food or stop going th- through the drive-thru and you think to yourself, I'm already not doing that. That's not what I do. That's not who I am. So these are things that can be really discouraging. And if you've been diagnosed recently, or maybe you're just now getting started with managing PCOS and you go to your doctor and that's the experience that you have, chances are you're going to turn to the internet or you're going to turn to social media specifically to get some information, to get advice, and also to feel connected, right? So when we go on social media, it's a little bit of a built-in community. You can pretty much find 
groups and forums and, and pages that are specific to anything, right? Any type of search that you would do on social media would likely yield results. And that's a great thing because you can instantly feel like these people know you, they understand you, and you can feel the connection and community that we're all craving much of the time, especially when we're dealing with something difficult. So that's a really big benefit. But on the other hand, on the flip side of that, things can get very overwhelming on social media because I'm going to go through some of the reasons why I think that's a problem. But the main reason is that there's just so much, right? There's such a plethora of information. There's so many tips and so much advice and and so many experts out there. And we get confused. We're not sure who to, who to listen to. We're not sure what is true what is what is you know fake information and and information that's not based on real facts or research or experience and it gets very very confusing and it's hard to know who to trust so i think there are three reasons why it became so hard right now to really understand who you should follow who you should trust whose advice should you actually implement and the first reason for that is that not everyone is an expert, right? So the type of people we follow matter. And the type of information that you consume, whoever that comes from, does matter. So I see that there are three main And if you've been hanging out on social media for any amount of time, you've probably seen some of the types that I'm going to describe right now. So these are people that I see online, and I kind of put them into three groups. The first one is your fellow PCOS sisters, right? So these are women who are not necessarily giving out advice and tips, but they're on their own health journey. They're on their own path to either losing weight or healing PCOS or being successful, however they define that, and they're learning as they go. So they're likely experiencing a lot of the ups and downs that you're experiencing or going through the same struggles that some of us may be going through, and that is a benefit, right? So they can truly offer genuine support and encouragement to anyone else who's on the same path And they're learning as they go. They're not pretending to be someone who knows all the answers. They're not pretending to be someone who's figured it out. They're kind of in the journey. They're on the journey. They're figuring it out. And they can offer a lot of advice and support from the trenches. This is the essence of social media. These types of people really give a sense of community. And it's really helpful to get a peek into someone else's world, especially if they're going through the same things as you are and really getting a sense of what it feels like to be doing the work, to be in the trenches, to be changing your health one habit at a time. And I really see a lot of beauty in that. So I have no problem in following people like that, in supporting them, in making sure that they're getting some some from me, right? Some getting advice, getting support, getting love. And that's a beautiful thing. And I highly encourage anyone here who's listening to get connected with some of these people and make sure that you have a social media circle that's helpful and supportive and is is experiencing the same things that you are. The second type that I see online a lot is what I call pseudo experts. So these are people who give lots of questionable advice and of course, not as helpful, not as supportive, not as um, kind of conducive to some of the goals that you may be trying to achieve because these people don't necessarily have the right training to be considered an expert, but they present themselves as such. So there's a little bit of a misleading element to this. And 
the things that they're likely suggesting are practices and habits that may have worked for them. And keep in mind, we actually don't know their full story sometimes. We actually don't know exactly what they're doing, what they've been through, what the results look like now. So they may present a very rosy picture of what's going on, but we don't often know the full story. And Maybe these people have gone through a transformation for themselves or they've read information and they're just repeating the same content and thoughts without actually having any credentials or any experience or real life evidence that what they're struggling with and what they came up with as a solution matches what you're looking for, right? So just because someone had a transformation for themselves doesn't mean that those same steps are going to work for you. And a lot of times when you're looking at some of these pseudo experts, they're very narrow-minded. So only one way, only one solution is going to work. And that is a big red flag that you will likely not see the same results unless you're 100% sure that what you're going through and what they did are in perfect alignment. So what makes it even more challenging is that These people are often influencers and they have large followings, they have big accounts, and today today that adds clout and it adds credibility that's a little bit made up. So I want you to be really cautious with these people and make sure that you understand if you're going to follow someone and implement their advice and really take their, their path and make it your own, please understand exactly who the person is. What are they basing their advice on? Is it research-based? What kind of experience do they have getting results for other people and not just for themselves? Because everyone is different. And then we have the third type, which is, of course, the real health expert. These are people who have shown to be both knowledgeable and experienced in the field. They have a proven track record of success, and they're providing real valuable information about how to manage PCOS in a way that's sustainable, that doesn't involve any fads or gimmicks or anything that's too trendy or kind of made up. So I'm going to give you a hint. It's very easy to spot these people online, not only because of their credentials, but also because usually their approach is going to be less flashy, it's going to be less extreme, and it's going to be a lot more doable, almost to the point where it feels too simple and too stripped down. And that is a good thing. You don't want to follow the most dramatic plan and the most trendy type of hyped diet. You want to follow something that makes sense, something that's going to be simple, something that you can actually do long term. So I keep repeating this because it's so true and often overlooked. We tend to go for the most dramatic change. We tend to want the thing that's most flashy and sounds the best. But many times, if something sounds too good to be true, if someone has lost 50 pounds on keto in two months, I'm not going to buy into that because I want to see how they do in six months and in 12 months. And I want to know exactly what it took for them to really lose 50 pounds. And did they really lose 50 pounds? So be very cautious with that. Be very cautious with things that sound dramatic, that sound like they're over delivering on results because many times it's not the full picture and it's not really the truth. So you want to seek out the people who preach the less rigid, the more flexible approaches, and make sure that the recommendations are easy to follow. That's going to be a big, big factor in someone's success. The easier and simpler something is to follow, 
the more likely you are to get to the finish line and see the results that you're looking for. So always, always keep that in mind. So that's the first reason I think social media can do more harm than good sometimes if you're not following the right people and you're not able to really screen and understand that there's a difference between a pseudo expert and a real expert. And there's definitely a difference between someone who's a peer and is on the same health journey as you because those are people that you can get a lot of guidance and support from. Maybe not so much in the tactical moves and in the kind of more nutrition advice and things like that, but more on an emotional level. And that is super important as well. The second reason that I could see social media becoming problematic for some women is it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose. It's almost inevitable to experience the information overload and major confusion on social media that most of us do experience because there's so much content and there's so many different tips and advice and recipes to consume. And we're constantly in this state of FOMO, right? There's always fear of missing out because you missed a post or you missed a notification or a new picture came up, a new meal is posted. And these are all things that make us want to scroll more and more and just take in as much information as possible. Now, it gets to the point where I'm in consumption mode all the time, right? And I'm guilty of this too. I do this all the time. And this is part of the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because I want to change that. I don't want to be consuming so much content on social media because even for me, I consider myself to be well-versed in the field and I consider myself to know a thing or two about nutrition. But the other day I saw four different posts about meals related specifically to keto and PCOS that were all super confusing to me. Four different posts on the same exact topic all contradicting each other. So if I get confused, if I get overwhelmed and I feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose, I can't even imagine what someone who's just been diagnosed is feeling. So you wanna make sure that you're focusing only on one thing at a time. A lot of times women come to me and they say, well, I don't know if I should be focusing on supplements or adding progesterone boosting foods or maybe cutting out coffee or should I be doing squats three times a day? It's a lot, right? And when you go on social media, you see these different posts every single day. Everyone is posting on different things. Everyone's focusing on a separate topic for the day or the week. And you just get these mixed messages and being pulled in a million million directions. And the reason that this could become a problem, it's not bad to consume information, of course. It's not wrong to know a lot of things about something, right? It's not wrong to get educated about PCOS and healthy eating and to want to know as much as you can. That is a good thing. It's good to be curious and it's good to get the credible information that you need. But since we all want to do the right thing and we want to follow the best plan, When we're faced with so many conflicting messages and so many different avenues to explore, supplements, diet, recipes, exercise, we tend to shut down and not do anything. So we keep accumulating more and more tidbits of information. And as I said, I find myself in that mode sometimes where I'll spend 20 or 30 minutes and I feel like I'm so overwhelmed. I feel even a little bit anxious because I just consumed all this information, and I'm not sure where to start. I'm not sure what to implement first. So what ends up happening is I have this big mishmash of tips and recipes and advice, 
and I'm not going to I'm not going to start doing any of it, right? I'm not even sure where to start. So I I get into this no action mode. And that's the worst part. It leads to almost a paralysis by analysis type of situation where I'm thinking about it, I'm consuming the information, I'm mulling it over, but I'm not taking any action. So I feel very very stuck. I'm overloaded with info, I'm overloaded with tips and advice, and I can almost write a book on it, but I've never done anything with it, right? So if you've been there, if you know what I'm talking about, you know how it feels. It feels like you're so full of information, you know all the things, they get a little bit mixed up in your head, and you end up doing nothing with it. You end up just sitting there and continuing to consume more and more information from social media. So if you find yourself in a place of no action, if you find yourself procrastinating and waiting for some light bulb to go off in the hopes that I'm going to get some clarity, I'm going to get some direction, you may need a social media diet, my friend, because it's likely not going to happen that you're going to take action if you never stop consuming information. So as time goes by, we tend to get more of what we don't want. We get more anxious about PCOS and health. We get to just spend more time on social media. We get more weight gain. We get poorer sleep if we're constantly on social media and our devices and we're constantly distracted. And we just get a lot more of what we don't want because we're not taking any action. I'm not changing any of my habits and any of the things that I'm I'm doing right now but I'm getting all this advice and information and education, so to speak, that's really not contributing anything to me. It's not really making me get off the couch or get off my seat and do something. That is the reason that I would recommend someone go on a social media diet. If you can't come out of the cycle of consumption of information, that's a big red flag. If you don't take action on it, you're likely someone who could use a social media diet because that's going to make you stop consuming and start doing. And you want to move from inaction to action every single day. That's really the only way that you're going to start seeing change and you're going to get closer to the goals and results that you're looking for when it comes to managing PCOS. The third reason I'd recommend someone go on a social media diet, and again, these are all things that I'm implementing myself. So I'm right there with you doing all the things and making sure that I cut back on what type of inputs I'm getting, how much time I'm spending on social media, who I'm following, and whose advice I'm actually implementing. And this third reason is a big part of it, and that is that social media is a major time trap. So if you've ever spent time on social media and it went from being just five minutes or just a quick check-in into 20, 30, or maybe even two hours of being on social media, scrolling the different feeds and just spending your time reading other people's posts, you know that social media can take you down so many rabbit holes and so many conflicting paths that you end up using up precious time that you could be actually using to work on healthy habits, to make a quick meal, or use to decompress and manage your stress as opposed to going on social media. And if we're talking about stress and we're talking about time management, We also have to talk about the fact that going on social media can lead to some negative feelings related to maybe comparison or self-judgment, and that can impact our self-worth and our mood. So instead of using that time 
to go on social media and to getting caught up in the comparison trap and looking at what other people are doing. And we all know people share only the highlight reels of their life on social media, right? You rarely see pictures of difficult moments or struggles or any type of bad days or instances, right? These are not typically the things that we see on social media, and there's a very good reason for that. People prefer to share the highlights of their life and not the things that they're struggling with with or the low points during their day. So we tend to forget this. We tend to not know that this is what's happening as we're scrolling through social media. And when we see other people doing things or accomplishing things that we may want, that could hurt a little bit. And that can lead to more stress as opposed to decompressing. And that can lead to more anxiety, to more frustration with my progress or with my ability to do things. And that can lead into a whole other cycle of reducing self-esteem and self-worth and being very critical of ourselves. So it's not only that being on social media can take away time from other healthy habits and reducing stress and self-care, it's, it can actually make it worse because if I'm consuming things that feed more into the other side of things, into negative self-talk, into feeling bad about myself, now it's a double whammy, right? Now I've wasted time that I could be spending making myself healthier, and I spent that time on something that's actually serving me the least. It's something that's actually actively reducing my self-worth and making me more mentally vulnerable to self-criticism and to negative self-talk and even self-loathing. So in addition to getting that time back and implementing some healthy behavior, some true healthy habits with that time that you regain, I want you to think about not getting caught up in comparison traps, staying in your lane, focusing on very small actionable things that you can do, and really controlling your inputs. So it really doesn't matter if someone lost, again, 100 pounds on keto they may not be showing you the full picture. They're likely not showing you the full picture. And they're, you know, if you're someone who wants to keep enjoying cake and bread, you're gonna need a different plan. So you're not just going after the result. You're not just going after the bottom line of what happened, of the 100 pounds lost or the period regained. No, you're going after the right path. You want to make sure that you're taking the road that's going to serve you the best, that's going to feel the best, that's going to become your lifestyle, not just chasing after the end result. That's not what you want. Okay, so let's recap a little bit. We talked about three reasons why a social media diet could be appropriate for you. And if you've found that this information resonates with you, if you feel like some of the things that I was saying were true for you and you felt like I'm talking to you, then you may be a good candidate for a social media diet. And I'm going to go through some tips on how to do that. But let's just recap really quickly. I think social media can be a great resource for credible information. I think that there is a lot of good in it, but it can also be a problem if you're not following the right people. So remember those pseudo experts that come up on your feed may be distracting you a little bit too much. If you're getting information overload, right? You're not sure what to trust and what to follow. That could be a good sign that you may just be overdoing it a little bit. You may be following too many people and too many accounts that provide conflicting information and then rabbit holes. If you're in a time trap every time that you go on social media and you find yourself spending too much time on there or maybe very short amounts of time multiple times a day, so you have like little 
five to 10 minute increments, three, four, five times a day that add up to an hour or even two in your day, that's time that you could be spending doing something that's conducive to your health and would actually get you closer to your goals. So if you're truly committed to getting healthier, here are three things that I'm going to recommend as far as social media. The first one being be selective about whose advice you actually follow. So you can start off by decluttering your feed a little bit, looking at what accounts you follow and making sure that the people or the accounts that you follow are the ones that you're not only inspired by, but also are aligned with your lifestyle and how you want to be eating for the rest of your life. Otherwise, it's going to be just another diet or trend that you've followed for a couple months and that's it. You're back to square one. So if you're following an approach or a a person or an account that speaks about habits and things and actions that feel natural, you're not going to view that diet as a short-term solution, right? You're going to be able to stick with it and you're going to be able to live your life exactly the way you want it day by day without having to stop being social or putting your life on hold in order to lose the weight. So I want you to think about what you want your day to look like and what type of things you're willing and able to do in order to get healthier. Let me give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, I met a very sweet young woman on Instagram. Her name is Eleanor. She actually won the free phone session that I was offering on my birthday as a giveaway, and we got to connect. And she was telling me all the things she's tried to lose weight and manage PCOS. And what was she te- what she told me was that she was on keto just a couple short weeks before we were talking and how horrible she felt while she was on that plan. So she was following keto for maybe two or three weeks and she really tried to be strict with it in order to do it the right way, but she couldn't keep it going. And that was something she read on social media. And after she saw many, many posts about how amazing it could be for PCOS and how keto can really be a cure-all solution for different things, she decided to try it. So she cut out bread, pasta, chips, crackers, um, potatoes, all the starchy things, even fruit, and she just did it cold turkey. And in the first couple of days, she was okay, but it got really hard to keep up as she went along. And she was always hungry, always agitated, and just kind of grumpy overall. And this is an experience that's very common with keto. And even after she passed the kind of keto flu stage, she knew that this was not the right way for her. And the last straw was when she was at work and she actually got a promotion. And she quickly realized that things are not going well with her keto diet after she got the promotion because she was walking around the office and everyone was saying, Eleanor, what's wrong with you? You should be happy. Why are you so grumpy? Why are you so upset all the time? Why do you snap at people? And she said, I realized I couldn't even be happy for my own promotion and show that positive energy that I should be feeling for getting such a a great promotion at work because I was all consumed by the keto diet and I couldn't celebrate, I couldn't be radiant, I couldn't be positive because I was so preoccupied with how hungry I was and how agitated my body felt that I just couldn't concentrate and I couldn't really participate in my own life to the fullest. So that's a big red flag, right? That's something that you can't really keep up for for a long period of time. 
And so one of the first things that Eleanor needed to do was declutter her feed a little bit, remove all the people who are keto advocates and let other people who feel good about keto, who are aligned with the keto lifestyle to follow that plan. But for her, she needed to remove those distractions, not have any type of keto recipes or tips or advice come up on her, her feed because she's tried it. She knows it doesn't work for her and it's not something that she wants to follow. And this leads perfectly into the second tip that I'm going to share with you, and that is go deep and not wide. So you want to follow, like I just said, a select group of people that you like and trust and unfollow anyone who puts out content that confuses you, okay? Make sure that your feed is truly relevant and truly inspiring for you. It's going to increase the quality of the posts that you see, and it's going to make you more likely to develop your own set of healthy habits that you feel good about. And if you see high quality posts, posts that are speaking directly to you, you're much more likely to take action. So there's gonna be a greater value, greater return on the time investment that you put into scrolling social media. So I always tell people, please don't tell me you have no time to prep or no time to make a healthy snack. If you're spending 10 minutes on social media, three to four times a day, and especially if you're spending that time on posts that are not creating any meaningful action in your life. If you're just consuming, this goes back to what I spoke about before, if you're in consumption mode and not in action mode, you have time that you could be applying somewhere else. You could take that time, if you just cut back to 10 minutes instead of spending 40 minutes, that's a half hour that you just gained back. You can make a whole lot of difference with a half hour a day. That's a lot of time. The other thing that you can do to go deeper and not wider is instead of consuming the 20 or 30 short post captions that we tend to read through on social media, you want to find a reputable either article or a blog post and read about one healthy eating habit or one other lifestyle topic per day. So instead of reading a bunch of little short posts, you're reading one article about one specific type of topic, or maybe you're listening to a podcast about a specific type of topic, and then you're taking action from that. I really love Amy Medling's website, the PCOS Diva, I also love Angela Grassi, which is a fellow who is a fellow dietitian, and she's someone who has done a lot of work in the PCOS nutrition world. Her website is the PCOS Nutrition Center. She has great information on her website, lots of blog articles and different tips that you can get deep with and really understand the topic before you start implementing it. So it's much more valuable and it's much higher quality to go deep on one or two areas in your week maybe as opposed to consuming 20 or 30 different captions all throughout your day. The next thing I'm going to talk about is setting boundaries and then that's the third way that I think you can go on a social media diet. We all need boundaries especially around something as captivating and as attractive as social media. We have these notifications and the red circle with the number in it and all of those things are designed to get our brain hooked to returning to social media and to return to our inbox and all of the places where we get 
some new information. So we really thrive. The brain really thrives on new information. This is why we keep going back to social media because we're looking for new things. We're looking to see what's been posted. What did I miss? So you want to make sure that you're setting boundaries. Otherwise, really, it could be all consuming. So I always recommend to not go on social media first thing in the morning or before bed. And this is something that I've done this year in 2019, and I'm super happy that I did. It has worked out fairly well for me. I used to keep my phone by my bed, and I used to check social media all the time and my inbox all the time. And in 2019, I decided to do a little bit less of that, really a lot more less, a lot more less, <laughs> a lot less of that in the new year. And it has worked out beautifully. So I've been able to reduce. I'm not saying that I've been able to reduce it to the amount that I set, which was only 30 minutes per day for both social media and my inbox. I think that was a little bit ambitious, but I've cut back a lot. And the way that I've done it is by setting boundaries. So I keep my phone away from my bed. I keep my purse in the back seat of my car so I don't check it when I'm standing in a traffic light, which is super dangerous anyway, and I shouldn't be doing it anyway, but I did. Full disclosure, this was me last year, and I just wanted to, to stop doing that. It didn't feel good to me, and I knew that it wasn't serving me. I also started going on airplane mode or do not disturb mode to minimize distractions. So that was one way for me to not get notifications, to not get distractions, because every time my phone would buzz or ding, I would go and check it out. So I don't want to do that anymore. So I took the action to reduce it and it has worked beautifully. So I do recommend it. I also know people who use apps to control their screen time and to control their social media time. Uh, There's one called Off Time, and it really does help to control your usage. Some of the ones that are on your desktop, you can set a time where, you know, if you say for two hours, block Facebook and block Instagram from my computer, it will actually not let you go on those websites, and you can't even turn it off. So once you do it, I don't think you can even go back, which is great. So these are some of the things. I haven't used that myself, but I know a lot of people who have, and they like it, and they do it daily. So if you want to have a block of time where you're working or you're doing something without distractions and without the temptation to go on social media, you can use apps for that, and they will control your usage and will help you. And the beautiful thing is that once you get in the habit, hopefully you won't have to do it for for the longest time, right? You won't have to do it for your for the rest of your life. You're going to get in the habit of not checking social media as frequently. So it's all about changing habits and sometimes we need apps and those other extra tools to help us do it in the beginning. And then the last thing I'm going to say is to avoid task switching. So if you are going to go on social media, Set blocks of time that you're going to do that as opposed to going two, three minutes in between different tasks that you do because task switching is very confusing for our brain. It's hard for us to regain the focus and concentration in order to come back to the activity that we were doing if we keep interrupting it. So if you are working on a project or you're at work or at school and you're doing something and then you go on social media for five minutes, chances are it's going to take you about 10 or 15 minutes to regain the focus that you had on that task before you went on social media. And this is these are things that we see in studies. So the, there's been studies done on this and these are the results. So make sure that you're not putting social media into your day 
in a way that's distracting and that makes you lose focus for extended periods of time. So I would say set blocks of time, limit the time, set those boundaries, and then try to not use social media to procrastinate or pass time. I know it's hard, but every time you do this, you're losing more time exponentially because it takes you several minutes to regain focus on your other tasks. And then that feeds into feeling like you never have time, feeling like you're always rushed, feeling like you can't get anything done. And again, it's this big cycle of being a time trap and reducing your productivity. So make sure that you're setting those boundaries. Make sure that you're not task switching. Put as many regulations, as many rules around social media. That's the one area in your life where you do want to be rigid. You do want to be intentional and you don't want to just be doing it mindlessly because it could subconsciously be impacting your health negatively. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a little bit of a different approach, a different topic, but I do think it's helpful and important to think about it. I would love to hear your thoughts, so you could email me. My email address is below or contact me via social media. Just make sure you're putting boundaries around it, okay? Have a great week and I'll see you again soon. Bye.